Listener Production. KickPod acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulikut Woolen Clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the KickPod, your DM on the stuff that matters, but also the stuff that doesn't. One, two, three, Hello there. Hello there. Happy Wednesday interview day. <laughs> That's new. Yes, it is new. It is a happy day. It is a happy day. This, this is a great chat. This interview is one that we have been wanting to do mm. for such a long time. Mm. So, Harry Garside is a 25-year-old Olympic medal-winning boxer. Mm. So, he won a gold medal at the 2018 Com Games and then he won in the 2020 Olympics. He won the bronze medal in the lightweight event, which is actually the first time in more than three decades that an Aussie has got on the podium for boxing at the Olympics. So, he's an elite sports person. Yeah. He's very, very good at his craft. However, one of the reasons we had him on. But the main reason we had Harry on is because of the things that he does outside of boxing that make up who he is and how much he owns Mm. who he is and pushes against gender stereotypes. So he's also a plumber and a ballet dancer. Yeah, and he often challenges himself, which is something he explains through the podcast, but he basically goes off this list of challenges and they're not all like, you know, skydiving or something like that. It could be wear makeup for a day or, um, yeah, join a ballet class, like different things like that. He puts himself outside of his comfort zone because he feels like that's where he grows and it's so admirable and he's just such an awesome, unique individual and he speaks so much to how he believes our uniqueness is like what is so beautiful in us. And I just think for a 25-year-old, he has so much wisdom. Mm. And of course, we're always on a journey of figuring ourselves out. And I don't think there's ever an end point. But for his age, it's pretty incredible, like how much he's, how sure of himself he is. Um, But speaking of challenging himself, he, you might have seen already, but he is in the latest season, which came out on Sunday of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And it's like the perfect show, I feel like, for what he likes to do with himself in putting himself out there in uncomfortable positions. I'm really excited to see this season play out because I think he's going to do incredible. But um, And I, I think it's going to be a really cool way for a lot of people who might not know him to get to know him on the show and see how special he really is. Agree. Mm. Or you could just listen to this podcast. No, do both. It's true. Because in this episode, we did. Uh, we're, we were so grateful. Harry got extremely deep and mm. extremely vulnerable with mm. us and it was a really special chat. So maybe after you listen to this, then you'll be like, have to watch I'm a Celebrity yeah. or you're already watching both. We'll be very invested we in We obviously Harry. just <laughs> don't want a fan, but... No, we are fans. Yeah. yeah. We love. <laughs> I think especially after meeting him and talking to him, it's like he's he's just so incredible. You can't not be a fan. Yeah, so we hope you enjoy this. We hope you <laughs> enjoy being fans <laughs> and enjoy the chat. Harry, welcome to the Kickpot. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me here. I, I mean, we're just so... I don't want to be like a full fan. Because <laughs> like... Mandy's told us not to, or me, <laughs> not to like go full fan at the start, but um, you were just such an inspiration. I can't believe you're only 25. Mm. I know age is just a number, but your maturity, the way you live your life and what you have achieved mm. is just, is incredible. Um, and a big part of what we do at Kick is 
speaking to our community and, and trying to live this way as much as we can too, but, in, you know, embracing who we are and not feeling like we have to live up to society's expectations on us of who we should be. And you do that so incredibly mm. well. Mm. You really push against the stereotype of, you know, when you think of a, a boxer um, and when we think of kind of masculinity and what, what that means. So we thought a nice place to start might be, and I've heard you speak to it before, when boxing came into your life and why it came into your life. Yeah, so a big part of my story, so I'm, I'm the youngest of three boys, probably should start there, and um, grew up in a place called Lillardale on the outskirts of the Melbourne suburbs, and a beautiful place to grow up, very sporty, um, like pretty normal family, to be completely honest. And But looking at my brothers, they were very blokey, very manly, and, and for me growing up, I felt a little bit different to them. Like mm. I felt like I was more in touch with my mum's energy and what my mum was doing. And and my brothers would always be out the back playing with dad, fighting with each other, playing in dirt, doing, I guess, more blokey things. And and because I felt more connected to my mum, I felt they didn't really say much, but I felt I didn't get much respect from my brothers and, and of course, my dad. And I think it's really important for young men to sort of get that love and affection mm. and attention from their dad. And Looking back, I don't think I knew initially at the age of nine when I started boxing that this is the reason why I was doing it. But I think at the age of 25, I can say confidently that like, I think I started boxing to prove I was a man, to get respect from mm. my brothers, to get respect from from my dad. And that's what men do. Men fight. You see it in the movies. You see it. Mm. I saw it on the footy field. Yeah, for me, I, I started boxing at the age of nine mostly to get respect from my brothers, to prove I was a man. And then um, I fell in love with the sport almost instantly. And, and there's so many reasons as to why. My coach is a big reason. And then also the pure meditative state that boxing puts me in. And just so grateful I started at the age of nine and all that's happened in my life since then. And it's interesting what you said around how you kind of did boxing at the start to be, get respect from, from your dad and, and your brothers. But then you also, while you have kind of been doing your boxing, you've then really pushed the boundaries that really, as, as I said at the start, do not, should not exist, but I feel like we sometimes feel that they exist of what masculinity is. And so I wanted to ask, when you started boxing, did you get the respect that you wanted or you were looking for and you thought would you would get from, from your, your dad and your brothers? And then what then made you want to start pushing against the stereotype after that? Mm. So I think I didn't just get it from my my dad and my brothers. I actually got it from society. Mm. Yeah, which is um, I think I entered school, especially at the age of five, going to the same primary school that my brothers went to, and and having the last name. I sort of just had this expectation pushed on me about okay, this is how Garcia acts. You mean my brothers often got kicked out of class. My my brother got suspended in the first week of primary school, which is actually pretty impressive. To be <laughs> oh, in honest. primary, yeah, because that school, is very like, impressive. It's impressive. He yeah. jumped on the roof for something. I can't remember. Wow. Why, but yeah, he jumped on the roof for something. Got suspended. Um, but yeah, so that that was very much my family. So I, I entered school and I felt like I had to be a certain person. Mm. And then yeah, when I started boxing, I started to get this. I mean, when people think about boxers, they think of this tough guy, this real brazen. You know, mm. it's exactly what I was looking for. I wanted to be like my brothers. I wanted to, wanted to be like my dad, and 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 I think I played that role probably from the age of nine. Even still now, there's moments where I'm when I'm around people, especially from my childhood, where I'm like I'm saying things or I'm acting a little bit differently. I'm like, oh, hold on a minute, like I've done all this work now. But yeah, there was a long period of my teenage years, especially where I felt this need to just be this tough boxer. Mm. Um, and I did things that I'm not proud of. I, I said things that I'm not proud of. And and 
a big part of my story and I talk about them so often. I know that your husband, um, Dalton, is is also a part of them. Uh, the Reach Foundation entered my life when I was 17 and, and when they entered my life, that was like the start of the journey where I could actually delve into myself, go internal and actually start to show the world slowly but surely exactly who I am. Mm-hmm. So probably from 17 onwards has been, has been nice. And did that change the... How did society react to you when you started pushing those limits and also your relationship with, with your dad and, and your brothers? Yeah, it's been, um, I've always, I suppose, since probably from the age of 16, 17, when Reach entered my life. And I guess I, like growing up in Lillardale and, and, and then entering Reach, like I just sort of had this, like, I don't know, new sense of self. It was beautiful. I was being a bit more like, I guess, alternative. I was like quite being quite progressive at home. I was challenging my dad more often on his views and stuff like that. Um, so there was a time where absolutely it was a bit different. Like if someone's act a certain way for so long, you sort of just view them in a certain way. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, there was like a period where I guess I was navigating that with my dad and the relationship with my brothers. But I think the position I'm at now, which I'm so grateful with, especially with my parents and my family and my brothers, um, is they just like love me for who I am. Mm. Like they, they sort of know that I'm always in a bit weird. Like I've always just do my weird stuff and they sort of just accept that and I'm, I'm really grateful. I think post-Olympics, got a bit more of a name now. I probably on a level now cop a little bit more criticism, I guess, for what I'm doing. I, I suppose 50% of the population is more conservative where uh, mm. 50% of the population is quite progressive. So it's like... Do you reckon there, it's 50-50? Sometimes I think it's like 80%. Who knows? Yeah. People don't like change. No. I've really thought about this. Yeah. People really don't like change. No. And I and I can kind of understand that from an evolutionary standpoint, but it's like people don't like change. So it's like if something has been a certain way for so long mm-hmm. and then someone comes along and just goes, no, nah, well, men can do whatever they want mm-hmm. and so can females. And it's like, wait, hold on a minute, but it's been like this for so long. So I, I do understand that, but it's like, I just like, I truly think that we should challenge everything. Mm-hmm. Everything we've ever been told, it's like, like it's just a story mm. that people are just carrying on and it's like we should challenge it. It's like it's okay to do that. Um, I mean, just have a little bit of like critical analysis and mm. and, and be curious about like what, what our history has been and that's all I'm trying to do. And and I just hope that I'm being, I guess, I guess a, a good role model for young people to, to do that too. And it's just like just try and follow your heart. Like if you're listening to your heart, I truly believe you're like you can never actually make the wrong decision. I love yeah. that so much. And I think you are. You, you truly are being an incredible role model. I mean, I have a little boy and I only hope that there is more role models like you out there by the time he's, he's only two. So <laughs> he's no, got a while. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really beautiful and it, you're seeing it a lot more in the younger generation really embracing uniqueness and it's so special to see that. Um, I wanted to touch on what you said before about the certain groups of people you still feel yourself kind of like putting on a little bit of a mask or acting a little bit differently. I think we all do that and I think it's totally okay that we can. I think as humans we can be different in different situations and that's fine. But I feel like it is really beautiful when you do come to a point, whether it's in your life or whether it's just with like certain groups of people where you can completely let go and be whoever you want to be and be totally yourself. Do you feel like you've you've got there? I mean, like you're so you're still so young. I suppose to where you are now, do you feel like you've completely embraced who you are and you're more often, even in different groups, showing that person? Yeah, I think more often, of course, not all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'm still like I'm still figuring out exactly who I am. Yeah. So it's like I couldn't say that with full hundred yeah. percent certainty. Yeah, so I guess I'm still learning a lot about myself, which is amazing. But yeah, I think 
in my life, obviously family know me pretty well for who I am, but I think my mates on a, on a scale, I've got a good handful of mates who I think I could be myself around. Mm. The place where I probably struggle the most is when there's like a lot of testosterone in one place because like a big part of my whole story is like I've felt people have questioned my manhood. Mm. So when there's a lot of men around, I feel this sense to like I've got to be a man, I've got to show that I'm a man. Like mm. it's that weird story that keeps playing out but – I'm so grateful for, I guess, self-awareness and stuff like that because I, I am I catch it a lot quicker and I can act on it a lot quicker, which is which is nice. When you started boxing, obviously you said you started for other people mm. to fulfill, you know, this manlyhood or masculinity in, in you that you felt that you needed to show them. At what point through your career, because I'm, I'm assuming now and speaking to you, you're not doing it for them anymore. At what point did that change? And I suppose who do you do it for now? It's a great question. I haven't... Um, I haven't thought about that too much. Um, I think there's like a big element of like, it's a massive part of my identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I love it dearly. And and if I didn't love it, I wouldn't do it. You and I sit here on podcasts often. I talk about like, be your true authentic self. And it's like, if I didn't love something and here I am doing it because it's my identity. Like, I love it dearly. But yeah, if there was ever a day that I didn't enjoy it, I would 100% walk away. But I think, I think I'm doing it for a number of people. Um, including myself, probably most importantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super driven. And if I didn't have a goal in front of me that I'm working towards, I feel I could actually impact my mental health. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask as well, um, I suppose, as you said before, like you haven't completely figured yourself out. I don't know if we ever do, really. I feel like we continuously learn more about ourselves. But in the light of kind of embracing who you are and trying different things, and I suppose challenging the status quo, which I know you're a High School Musical fan, so, like, I instantly <laughs> want to sing. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> like, in the school cafeteria. But it, honestly, and I think I think maybe a reason why you like that movie um, or that series, it's not just because of, you know, your interest in the arts, but I think it's because the whole thing is around challenging the status quo, mm-hmm. right? So how can someone, if they're not sure who they are, but they just want to kind of go outside of their comfort zone a little bit or figure some things out about themselves? Like, what are some of the things? Did you just jump into, you know, joining ballet? Like, how do you take those leaps? How do you take those steps? Mm. That's a good question. I think I've got an athlete mindset, so it's very much driven on self-growth. And mm. and I've really thought about this recently around, like, almost a bit of, like, a perfection myth of, like, I need to sort of... My whole story, it's like a, there's a bit of an inferiority complex, trying to do amazing things, try and find myself in this journey. People think that I'm good enough. I still think I'm not good enough and then I try for more. So it's like this weird journey that I'm on, but it's always been about growth. Mm-hmm. It's always been about self-growth, self-improvement. Um, and that's because as an athlete, you, that's what you need. If you want to be better, you have to have that. And I think the question around trying to find yourself, I've really thought about this so much, like what actually is it? And there was two answers that I personally come up with and it's like I do these uncomfortable challenges, been doing it for like four years, like did 50 hours no talking, improv class, had some hard conversations with people that I love. But yeah, so many things. Mm. Lying in the lake. Oh, yeah, that's, that's just for fun. Oh, that's yeah. just for fun. That's just for fun. Which when I say lake, it was like freezing. Freezing cold, yeah. Freezing lake. Yeah, I love that stuff. It's mm. so good. It's like a like positive endorphin release. Um, but yeah, like just doing always stuff so I guess better myself. And, and I truly believe you want to grow as a person. You want to find out who you are. Mm. Go to the places where you feel uncomfortable. I feel the world we live in right now is just all like pulling us in comfort. You know, mm. In the Western world, we've got so much luxury. So mm. much luxury. We're not... 
there, of course, is still people in this country that are struggling, but I guess a big portion of our society is just really comfortable. And there's so many things pulling us in the way of comfort. And I think we really need to start cutting those ties and doing things that make us a bit uncomfortable. So noticing my growth, finding more about myself. But then my other flip side to this is is really reflecting on the person that you were when you were like five years old. Mm. I know there's a few celebrities that do this now and they have it on there, like a picture of themselves yeah. when they're younger. And I think that's really cool. I do too, yeah. When I think back to myself at the age of five, it's like I was so innocent, mm. but I was so pure. Yeah. So pure. I hadn't been in, like impacted by society or mm-hmm. the, the social norms or um, things like that. And when I reflect back to myself at five years old, I think that's the most pure version of you. So, yeah, I think that's where you'll find out, like, what was that young person interested in? You know what mm. I mean? And try and do that more often. Try and find that same feeling again. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to go back to something you said at the start of that answer, that you don't think you're good enough and explore that if that's okay because I find that so, I mean, obviously, like, sad to hear because you are so incredibly successful for your age. You have achieved so much. And I'm sure for so many people listening, they'll be thinking, he's 25, look what he's achieved. How could he not think that he's good enough? And I, I mean, I relate to that so much because I put a lot of pressure on myself to be at a level that I don't think I'm anywhere near yet. And something that I have to internally work through with myself is how, if I don't, I don't think I'm good enough right now, but what is it for me? When will I think I'm good enough? And I think something I struggle with is I actually don't know what that will be for me. And I think what that means is I'm never going to think I'm good enough. I wondered for you, do you have something that you're working towards that will validate that for yourself? Or is it pressure that's ongoing? I, I feel like I'm I'm really stuck on this one. Mm. I've, this has probably been the biggest question I've asked myself since I've done, the, I guess, the self-exploration journey. It's all my success has come from insecurity and me feeling like I'm inferior and I'm not good enough. So you work harder and so you I put in more hours. And I achieve. Yeah. But I still feel, so it's like someone mm. gave me an analogy, there's a carrot and a stick, right? So you whip a horse with a stick. Oh, sorry, I, I do these alarms. <laughs> Sorry. Just give me two seconds now. I'll keep going back to the carrot and stick story. Sorry. Um, Don't be so. Was that meditation? That was- like insanely For everyone impressive. listening, Harry's alarm just went off and then you went into this amazing meditative state for about 20 seconds. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you just like left the earth. <laughs> I wish it felt like that. <laughs> um, no, it's like, so I have like different alarms that go off at different times. Um, each alarm, not each alarm tells me to do something different. There's about four or five of the same alarms. Um, and yeah, that one's like build myself up. It's called King Warrior and build myself up. Positive energy. I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm enough. I'm worthy of love. <laughs> All the things I feel like I'm lucky, I guess. And then, yeah, visualize myself achieving the goal that I have right now. So, yeah, do that, like, I guess that one maybe four or five times a day. And then there's other ones where I've, like, got to close my eyes and, like, touch something around me. Like, really feel it. <laughs> just, like, I don't know, just splitting up my day, doing weird stuff. Isn't that weird? That's amazing. That is so cool. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so carrot and the stick. <laughs> so, sorry. Um, someone gave me an analogy of the carrot and the stick. So you whip a horse with a stick, it runs away from the stick. And then slowly but surely... It starts losing motivation. You know, it starts lacking. It starts self-sabotaging. Mm. Comes back to the stick. Gets whipped again, right? That's the pattern that I'm on. 
And someone said, you need to try and get a carrot. You put a carrot in front of a horse's face and it will just gradually run consistently mm. and stay motivated forever. Um, but I'm in this pattern of like feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm quite low. I've self-sabotaged myself to get here. And then I'll do this massive goal. And whether I achieve it or not, I feel good you know, for a period of time. And then mm. I start lacking motivation. I start self-sabotaging. And then I bring it back down to here where I feel not good enough. And I'm like, I've got to find myself again. Boom. Back up, if that makes sense. Mm. So what's your stick? Feeling not good enough. Yeah, feeling not good enough. Um, yeah, I feel like other people are right. I often got told when I was younger I wouldn't make anything of my life, whether that be from family, whether that be from teachers. Um, there was Same. many moments where I yeah, was made to feel dumb. Mm -hmm. How embarrassing, like yeah. when a teacher would read out like, okay, Harry, um, you got 30%, everyone else has got like 75 I'm mm. like... Well, why should I have to say that out loud? Mm, Do you know, how embarrassing. You know what I mean? That's so humiliating that I just play it off like I'm fine. But um, yeah, so many moments that I can remember specifically. But yeah, that's the pattern that I'm in. And I really thought about like, I do so much work mm. on myself. So much. It's like ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It's like every part of me that wants to be like, no, I am. Um, I just, I, that's just, it's, I'm so sad to hear that you feel that. And I think it's just, it's so sad that we let, like, as kids, when we're so vulnerable, mm. sometimes the adults in our lives let us yeah. down and they, they do things like that and make us feel like our grade is the way that we're worthy. Or like a lot of people in our communities that like their, their body's talked about and then they never think their body's going to be good enough or whatever that might be. And that, then sticks with you for so long mm -hmm. and you can't, it, like shaking it, like you can overcome it, but it's always still there. Mm -hmm. And it's like that adults sometimes, they, we let kids down. Yeah, it's so true. Mm -hmm. It's so vulnerable in that moment. <laughs> like so vulnerable. Yeah, I can't wait to be a dad. I'm, I'm sure I'll probably screw them up somehow. I'll try my best. Thank but you. yeah, I just think like there's so many things, I guess, that happened to all three of us mm -hmm. and, and so many people when we were younger. And I'll just never forget. I'll never be able to forget it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I've, I've done a lot of work on self, right? And and I've been doing it for so many years now and I see psychologists all the time. I've got a life coach, do sports psychologists, do breath work, do all this stuff to try and figure out what's going on. But there's this hardcore resistance, mm. right? There's this really strong resistance. And it's like, if I go find out exactly what the problem is and then I solve the problem, will I still be ambitious? Will I still be driven? Will I still need to prove myself? Mm. It's like that fear. Mm. That it's like this is my life right now. And and to be honest, it's nice. I'm achieving stuff. Yeah, I probably at times, a big portion of the time, I feel pretty bad to myself. But it's like I still achieve things. Other people feel like I'm pretty good. Uh, but like I don't feel that good. So it's like there's this resistance of like fully committing myself to actioning the stuff that the psychologist says or the life coach says or the things that I know I need to do because I'm scared if I fix it, I won't want to prove myself. Yeah, I'm terrified. Yeah, this is my life. That is that is very deep. Mm, yeah. yeah, I'm terrified. Mm. I, re I relate to that so much and I, it's just, it is because you can't live in that, like we can't live in that way, right, our whole lives that mm. we can't be successful unless we doubt ourselves to, to the nth mm. degree. I wanted to ask, what's your biggest achievement in your life? What were you the most proudest for? Um, of course, like, there's, like, the sporting achievements and stuff like that. But, like, to be completely honest, and I'm just saying this because I'm on a podcast, like, I, I'm proud of how 
I don't want to say humble, humble is the worst word, a grounded mm. and personable and real, I think I am. Mm. And, and I, I'm, I'm proud of that. I mean, I never once think that I'm better than someone. I never once think that, you know I mean, like, you mean this fame gets to your head. You mean I never, I never once forget where I come from. Mm. Those people who helped me out when I was a nobody, I'll never once forget that. You know what I mean? And and I'm proud of myself for that. That when someone comes up to me and is is giving me so much love and affection, I just try and get on their level and I try and give them the time of day that they deserve because I am no different to them. Mm. And and. I felt when I was younger, sometimes you go meet like one of your idols and mm. they like kind of let you down a little bit. And I get it. I've been in that situation where it's like you're tired sometimes. It's full on. There's people coming at you mm. a lot. And I get it. Looking back now, I get it. But I'm proud of myself that like I could be having the worst day but someone comes up to me and goes, hey, I'm really – and I would put a big smile on my face and I'll try and make their day. And I'm proud of myself for that. And I mean – that that's fueled though from humility and self awareness and being an amazing person mm. as opposed to self doubt. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny because I'm I'm sure very similar. You said you got a bit of an inferiority complex too. Like we are good people, mm. and it's like my logical brain tells me that. I know I like my heart is pure. I know I if I saw someone on the street struggling to carry their shopping bags, I would go run up and try mm. and help if something. Happen. My initial instinct is always mm. love, care, and and a good good thing, but I still feel like it's ingrained. Mm. It's so ingrained. And it's interesting in life too because I think there's lots of things like with you with your boxing. It's quite easy to measure success in terms of how many tournaments you, you won. Or, is yeah. that that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boxing tournaments. Yeah. Is that I actually need to. I have a confession with boxing. You've I, never watched a match. No, I did. Oh, you I did? went to Will Thompson's boxing, oh, yeah, and I started right. crying, and I left because yeah. oh, Lawson was really not doing well yeah. in the fight, and I thought that were. I remember because get... when I got into boxing, I was like, "Well, Laws is never going to come watch me." Anyway, but I know that it is such an amazing sport. Mm. But that was <laughs> <laughs> you're just so empathetic that as soon as someone gets hit, it's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I really, I felt for this guy. Anyway. And he did. He got really pummeled. Anyway, that's okay. But tournament, that's what I was asking. That's why I told you that. So to- it's a boxing tournament. It's a boxing tournament or, you know, Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games. That- that's how you can measure. You're measure six- it's yeah. very, very easy to measure success. You win this medal. You come first, whatever it might be. But in terms of how we treat others and the things that I think, mm. you know, for everyone at this table, what really matters to us, which is that, that doesn't have a measurable goal that you can work to. Mm. It's also not something that society values, mm. which is interesting. Um, of course, like I, I, I guess I think I think there's more, way more positivity in this world than negativity. Way more. We just remember the negatives. So mm. We feel like it's massive, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think society like thrives off winners, and mm. and our society is built on like even when you're younger. And I can reflect back on because I, I, I was pretty useless at all sport when I was younger, and it's. Really? Yeah, yeah, I was pretty, pretty average. It, I played everything and I was like always like mid-pack, like never really the prima donna and I was so heartbroken. Like I just, everyone wants to be special. But like you would walk to the car park and, and a pair of like, geez, that Jack, geez, he's so good, isn't he? Like, wow, wow, he can play football. And you're sitting there like. Yeah, One day I, they'll say my name. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like we, we yeah. thrive off winners. Yeah. Like, and our yeah. society does. We don't. Someone who's kind, we don't talk about that. Mm. We don't. We don't celebrate that. Our news doesn't celebrate that. Our our society tells us there's like this, like they want winners, they want success, they want 
validation. And it's like I feel I actually feel sorry for young people right now growing up in this world right now because it's so it's so full on on social media. Like they are digesting way too much mm -hmm. stuff on like TikTok and like global issues that when I was under the age of eight, I didn't didn't have, even know about it. I didn't know what was going on in Russia or yeah. anything like that. I didn't, yeah. Like that wasn't told to me. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm not hearing about all this stuff. And at the age of eight, they're on their phone now and seeing this stuff. I don't know. It's just I, I'm a bit, bit worried personally. Mm. But um, yeah, our society just celebrates winners. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about social media, only if you feel comfortable talking about it, obviously, but you've posted an emotional video last year um, about your mum and what she's going through, what she went through with breast cancer. And that's obviously using social media in that way. You don't have to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Having your own account, you, you have a line that you can draw with how much you share, how honest you are or um, how vulnerable you can be. Posting that video how you were so vulnerable in that moment. Was that challenging or hard for you or did it just feel right for you to do that? It was, so that, that post, it was like 10 photos of my year and, and when I thought about like the 10 most impactful mm. moments, that was like, that was probably number one. Mm. Um, yeah, like like mum's all good now and well, she's not perfect, but she's, she's yeah, mm. she's on the way there. But she, um, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know, it, it, felt, it felt right. Mm. I mean, I understand that like, we all feel sadness, we all cry, we all feel elation and happiness. And yeah, it's like social media is just full of positive, the highlight reels. And I'm guilty of that too. I'm not going to post like when something bad happens in my day all the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just real. It's life. Like we're all trying to navigate this weird existence. Yeah, and I'm no different. You know, I mean, that, that really hurt me. That impacted me. Mm. I felt helpless. I lived in a different state at the time. Yeah, it was like the biggest part of my year. So I felt it was 100% needed to be posted. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing it. I think it's so important that when we can, we use our platforms, not mm. as just a highlight reel because otherwise mm. we... It's funny because we always talk about how Instagram is a highlight reel and obviously people can do whatever they want with their platforms, but maybe in five years we won't we'll say only 50% is a highlight reel because <laughs> we're all more real and there's yeah. a bit, few more Harrys in the world. It's so interesting because I... And I'm, I'm very self-aware, but it's like... Sometimes, like I'm guilty of say, if I, I scroll through and I see something negative, there is times where I'm like, is this an attention grab? And it's like maybe because sometimes I do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like I hate that I have that thought. I'm so, I feel guilty that I have that thought because somebody, someone's being real. Mm. But it's like I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that thought. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know how to navigate through that personally, but it's like when will we get to the point where it's like good, bad, the ugly that goes up on social media, it's just like, that's just part of it. Mm. This is our life. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's totally fair. I think we yeah. all have that thought. I mean, I even have that own internal battle when it comes to sharing something vulnerable. It's like, I really want to share this in case someone feels seen, but I also don't want to seem like I'm posting it just to get a whole bunch of people being like, oh, everything we're okay, mm. you're amazing, all this stuff. You know, it's really hard to, because I know that that thought that pops into your mind, pops into my mind from time to time, pops into everyone's mind because it's the way that we've kind of been taught to look at people when they are vulnerable, like they're attention-seeking, mm. when it's it's not always the case. Um, so like I, society, I agree. Right? It's like society expects us to be yeah. real but then not virtue signal. And yeah. it's like be real but then you can't be so real that then you, you're, you know, you're being emotional on mm. social media because yeah. then you're attention-seeking. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how does that coexist? I think we, we, do, we really need to question our expectations on that we have on people and what we actually mm. want from them. 
It's even um, like I can only speak. I guess you I mean I'm, I'm a man, and, and when I'm around a lot of males, it's like it's not that they don't care about their mate; they just don't know what to say. And it's mm. like when there's when there's this hardcore emotional vulnerability, like say you see a man cry, people are just like, oh, it's not that they don't care; they don't know what to do. Mm. And I feel like there's the element of that, like people don't know what to do when there's like when stuff hits the fan. And yeah, like when I, when I see a man cry, I'm like every part of me wants to try and help him. But I'm like. It's all good, mate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people know what to do. Mm. Um, so maybe there's an element of that. When people see on social media, they're just like, oh, we'll keep that out of it. Let's just see happiness. You know, mm. get that away, mm. please. You know what I mean? I, mm. I don't know. Yeah, potentially. Mm. I think so, 100%. Mm. And to finish off, we could, I mean, we could speak to you. <laughs> 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 Had a great time. hours. <laughs> but for anyone listening right now that's really, and we've kind of touched on this, but if mm. you could just give one piece of a tool that they could take right now for anyone listening that's struggling to to live their life for them what would be the one thing one place for them to start or one thing you would say to them i, I touched on them before but i think the two things is like reflecting on yourself when you were younger mm. yeah mm. before you were impacted with you mean so much society and i guess all those big t small t traumas in your childhood um but yeah think of like the first time i think ben crow does it. it's like your earliest happiest memory yeah, think back to that. I mean, I can think of me and my dad singing in the car to like Missy Higgins or something <laughs> like that. It was like a beautiful Scar. moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> or like playing on a trampoline, climbing trees, stuff like that. There was mm. there were so many amazing moments. But it's like attacking the world in that that lens more often mm. rather than attacking the world through the 25-year-old the who's you know, battling all this inferiority, all this bullshit mm. of other, other people's thoughts about me. And then also as well, a big part of my story is the uncomfortable challenges. I think it's um, it's also just fun. Like our life, I heard this quote, it's like there's no evidence in this life to prove that this life is serious. And we take it mm. so serious. We do. <laughs> so serious. Mm. And I, um, I think the uncomfortable challenges, yes, sometimes they're really difficult and really hard, but there's also a lot of the times where it's a lot of fun. Improv class, like so hard, but also really fun. You know what I mean? Like dance classes, every time I do one of them, I, I'm like really nervous before, really uncomfortable. But then I walk out feeling so like happy and I'm laughing and joking during it. So doing things more often that make you feel uncomfortable and having mm. fun with it. Mm. Yeah, not every challenge has to be really difficult. But I mean, if you want to do difficult ones, that's fine too. But yeah, just trying to enjoy it. It's like splitting up life. A lot of us work jobs that we don't like. You mean, I see some of my mates, they don't enjoy what they do. They're mm. just working for money. Um, they're working to survive. So it's like just trying to split up your life whenever you have the time. Do things for you. Go to the places you feel most alive. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was awesome. And as Laura said, I feel like I could sit down and want to talk to you much longer. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. And I think there's just so much that our community are going to get out of today's chat. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you ever want to get involved with our podcast, maybe we're talking about a segment, you have something relatable you want to chat about, a DNM, questions, um, please send your voice notes or your stories to us at KickPod, where you can DM us directly. Um, and you can also keep up with everything that we're doing on the podcast there as well. You can see the video content that we share and any other questions or updates. And we want to get you guys involved. You sure can. And if you want to find out more about Kick, you can find us on Instagram at Keep It Cleaner. Our website is keepitcleaner.com. You can download the app on the Google Play or the Apple Store. We have got a free seven-day trial. And you can find us on Instagram at Steph Claire Smith at Laurie.henshaw and on TikTok at Kick. We will chat to you soon. <laughs>